Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the USC Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I'm Nara Wang, and my usual co-host, Frosty Rucker, is taking some time off to take care of his voice, and not because I beat him in our predictions this season, or so he says. To fill in this week, I'm pleased to welcome to the show former USC cornerback and a Super Bowl champion with the New York Giants, Terrell Thomas. Terrell, glad to have you on. Why don't you let the Trojan fans know what you've been up to since retiring from the NFL? First and foremost, thanks for having me, my man. It's a true pleasure to be on your podcast. And what's up with Frosty? You know, I mean, talking about he's taking a break for his voice. His voice has always been raspy since the day I met him. So he, he must be in Cabo or something right now with some of his old NFL buddies who didn't make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, I beat him in the predictions. He owes me some food and beverages uh, at a USC basketball game. We still got to work out which game we're going to, but he said he's got to have to take care of his voice. He might have to have a procedure done, so he wants to take some time away to get that all squared away, which again, we understand. But yeah, it is funny that after I beat him, he's not on the show for a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. I think he's running more than anything, but speedy recovery to Frosty and uh, true pleasure to replace such a, a true a Trojan legend, Mr. 9-0, Frosty Rucker. So um, back to your question in regards to what I've been up to, my man, pretty much all over the place since retiring in 2015. But my true passion has been in really just mentoring college athletes trying to teach them the rights and wrongs that I made and learn from my experience. But more importantly, just teaching them the components that will allow them to better suit themselves in their career, whatever they may be doing at USC or other colleges, whether it's networking or time management, being able to be task-oriented and accomplish the goals that you want to set out for, and just understanding the process. It ain't pretty for everybody. You know, I was a five-year senior. Some guys are three years and done. So as a young 18-year-old, you have these big goals that you want to hit. And sometimes the first thing you hit with is a red shirt. So the biggest thing I wanted to do was really just coach these kids off the field because I realized there's a huge void in college football where a lot of guys who are turning professional are not mentally prepared to transition into the real world to become a professional athlete and take on the task of being providers, to being brand managers. And more importantly, just still keeping a high level of success. So that has been my true passion. And I have three kids, an amazing wife, and I love being a dad. So other than that, a little bit of golf and working out, all has been well with Terrell Thomas. That is great to hear, Terrell. And that is really great work that you are doing. Like you mentioned, there's a lot of guys who have instant success, whether it's just in college or, like you said, guys who are moving on to the NFL in their early 20s. And they don't necessarily know what is out there and what to expect. And I think that's great that you're trying to help them out and navigate them through some of the possible pitfalls that are out there and help them become as good as they can be off the field, not just on the field. So that is great to hear. And of course, if you enjoy listening to the Believe in USC football podcast, please subscribe and rate our show wherever you find your favorite podcasts, iTunes. Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And of course, the website is Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media at Believe Podcasts. 
On Twitter, you can find me directly at Nara Wang Sports. That's N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Terrell, where can they catch up with you on social media? Well, if you're on Twitter, you can follow me at Terrell Thomas 24. And if you're on IG, I'm T2Who. And that's T2WHO. Since this is Terrell's first time joining us on Believe, and you've already heard a lot of my thoughts on USC's season on previous shows, let's get right to it with our guest of honor today. Terrell, how much did you get to see USC during this season, where they finished with an 8-5 and record and got crushed in the Holiday Bowl by Iowa, and what was your impression of how it all went? Well, I got to see the Trojans a lot up close and personal. I watched a lot of the games on the road, and I think, uh, in a nutshell, it was disappointing. Not to say 8-5 and five is not a good record, but it was some tough games that we should have won. I look at the BYU game, tough road loss for a freshman quarterback. And then you look at the Washington game where we just got blown out. And when it all came down to it, Washington wasn't as good as we suspected. And then the biggest one, I would say Notre Dame. I think that kind of defined the season, in essence, because it was just a tough road game against a quality opponent, obviously a big rival. And there were some questionable calls by the refs that could have led the game in a different direction. Obviously, there were some situational plays that maybe could have led to a different outcome. But nonetheless, I think that uh, the team is ascending in the right direction. It's been tough having your starting quarterback and then he's out and having a freshman quarterback that is stellar and then he gets hurt and just all this different inconsistency of injuries throughout the season. I think, put it in a nutshell, I was just disappointing. I thought we were a better team at 8-5, and five, maybe 10-3. and three. thought we could have possibly played into the Rose Bowl and really finished the season strong. But nonetheless, I think they played well for all the adverse situation they had to play through. Yes, the team did have to deal with a lot of injuries, including to the starting quarterback, JT Daniels. True freshman Keaton Slovis came in, had a big season. And that will be an interesting battle once Daniels gets healthy. How do you see that shaping up in the fall if Daniels is ready to compete for the job again? It will be tough. I like JT's game. I've watched him since his days in high school, and I think the offense doesn't fit him in particular. But I love his competitiveness. I love that he said, like, look, bro, this is my spot. This is my school, and I'm not going out without a fight. So I do think he would be better suited elsewhere, just given the offense and how well Keaton has played. But I love the fact that he's coming back to compete. I actually was able to talk to him at the last home game. Kind of just shared my journey with my ACLs and just say, hey, man, kick ass. Because any dude that gets hurt, especially ACL like that, you just want to support him and love him up. So I wish the best for him. He's a great, great young kid, and he'll land on his feet no matter what. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Terrell Thomas is kind of a medical marvel, and I'll let you go into it, but you had three (laughs) ACL injuries to your right knee, if I remember correctly, all on one knee, and somehow managed to play in college, in the NFL, at the highest levels. Kind of go through what happened with your injuries. Well, the first ACL was tough because it was 2005 starting and just a simple play where a teammate blew my knee out. Came back from that, ended up going into the NFL. And the same thing uh, was a preseason game. Another teammate blew my knee out. And then the following year in training camp, I just pivoted wrong and it just kind of tweaked the ACL and I had to get it reconstructed. So it was tough, man, to uh, say the least. But, you know, I have a praying mom. She has instilled an unbelievable work ethic in me and to never give up. And ultimately, that was how I was able to overcome a lot of those gruesome injuries. Yeah, and it is quite amazing that you were able to do that. And let's talk about your specialty. You were a cornerback. So talk about the defensive back group at USC that you saw this year. A lot of young guys in there, guys like Elijah Griffin, Chris Steele, and 
considering their youth, I thought that they played fairly well. What were your thoughts on that secondary this year? I agree with you. I thought they played extremely well. Shout out to Greg Burns, who was my coach when I got to USC. Greg is a great fundamental teacher who was able to get a bunch of young players to play together. We haven't had that in a long time in regards to our defensive back coaches. I felt our guys have always been very athletic, but they weren't really coached that well. And when I say they're not coached that well, I'm talking basic principles of football, alignment, assignment, based upon coverage and split, the communication between one another. And to get a young group to play that well at high levels, it's kudos to Greg and also Clancy, scheming and putting them in position as well. And we do have to talk about Clancy Pendergast. He was let go from his defensive coordinator position, along with special teams coach John Baxter. And of course, the big news was that head coach Clay Helton was retained by the new athletic director, Mike Bone. Give me your thoughts on that whole situation. Obviously, on our show, we ran the Helton Hot Seat Scale to get the opinions of how Trojan fans felt each week after games about how hot the seat was for Coach Helton. And again, as I've said many times on this show, I think Coach Helton's a really good guy. And it's obviously just been a lot of different issues that have the fans riled up. But he was retained. Clancy Pendergast, John Baxter let go. Talk about how you feel the whole coaching situation is for USC. There's a lot to take in right there. You talked about the new AD, the head coach, defensive coordinator, and the special teams coach. So I'll start in reverse order. I'll start with Baxter. I'll be blind. I was never a big fan of John Baxter's special teams play. I just felt like we're USC, man. We have so many skilled players, and all you had to do was get them to line up. And we just never stood out in the special teams categories. I didn't see starters out there on kickoff. And that shows the commitment. That shows the leadership that's coming from front of them because every great team I played on, all starters has always been on special teams. If you want to just look at Seattle, when the Legion of Boom, they were always on punt and kickoff. And it's a reason because you want to set the tempo. You don't want to give the opposing team a good field position. So therefore, you put your starters out there who actually give a damn. And we're going to make sure they run down there, do their job, stay outside, feel where they have to. Because statistics say the team starts behind at 20, it gives your defense a greater chance. So it just gives you an extra incentive to put your starters out there. And I just never saw that. And then when I look back at the first game of the year, the first play of 2019 Trojan football season, we had two number sevens on the field. That is... <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was inexcusable. That was a joke. No, you have, you, <laughs> you have no idea how livid I was watching that. I couldn't believe it. It's the first game of the year. That situation has been talked about. We have special team calls. The backups know. Everyone knows. And it's not just the players. It's the other coaches as well. So when you see that, obviously you see that a change needs to happen. I've heard great things about John. I had former teammates who played for him who said, you know, he was a great coach, this and that. But to be honest with you, I'm happy he's gone because I just felt like we didn't stand out on special teams all year. Yeah, I think it's been a problem for a while now. And he did come in with a lot of rave reviews originally. But I mean, yeah, like you said, starting off the season with two number sevens, the amount of kickoff returns that we gave up, especially in that loss to Oregon, that was a backbreaker, the one at the end of the first half. And then in the Holiday Bowl. Right, right. The kickoff return, 98-yard touchdown to Amir Smith-Marset. So I think it was obvious that he had to go. How about Clancy Pendergast? You know, I think it was time for Clancy to be let go. I thought he did a decent job while he was here. I think he's a great football coach. I do think that at times he lacked the personnel to really fulfill his defense. You go back into last year and you look at Biggie, who was a big corner. A lot of times Biggie was playing off. 
And he wasn't allowed to be physical. He wasn't allowed to be around a line of scrimmage, in which he excelled at his freshman year when he was All-American and All-Pac-12 honors. So you look at our safeties, the type of defense we run, we have smaller safeties. You know, when you're running that cover three, you got to fill those lanes. You need some big safeties to come downhill with some big shoulders. And I just, I really don't think he had the right personnel to build his defense. And then more importantly, I think from my perspective as a player and obviously as a fan, you can see the inconsistency of the play calling at times. Some games we were dominant and very aggressive and other games we were kind of just sitting back and really just reacting to what the offense gave us. So hopefully Clay can bring in an energetic guy that can rally and motivate our younger core. I think we have some great players and great pieces to build around and it's a good position to be in coming in as a DC given the young talent that we have right now. And finally, the head guy, Clay Helton. Obviously, it was a very polarizing decision to bring him back. Where do you stand on Clay Helton and his situation? Well, to be honest, I understand the situation entirely. SC was put in a tough position, especially with the new AD coming in, expecting to fire someone he doesn't even know. And Clay has been up and down. Obviously, the last couple of years have not been as good as he started. But nonetheless, I think overall, Clay is a good coach. The players love him. He's beloved around the facilities. And honestly, I think he needs better coaching around him. You talked about Baxter and Clancy. These are good DCs and special teams coaches, but obviously with the talent we have, they weren't able to muster up the right calls, motivate the guys. I touched on earlier that you had no starters on special teams. Yeah, that goes to Clay, but it also goes to the special teams coach as well. So I know from my team at USC when I was there, we had great, great, great coaches, great assistants, great guys who were able to motivate and rally guys together. And I think giving Clay one more year hurts us long term in regards to recruiting. I think it's clear to some of the recruits out there that we're kind of indecisive on what direction we're going in. But nonetheless, I think that he has coached a hell of a team this last year, given the circumstances, you know, losing your starting quarterback, having a freshman quarterback and then losing him, having three different ADs over his tenure, all the different personnel changes over the time, the sanctions, blah, blah, blah. I think he did a decent job of taking over, but this is a proven deal for Clay. And I think regardless of how the season ends, he'll land on the speed and continue to be a good head coach somewhere else if he's not with USC next year. Yeah, and Frosty in our previous shows, he thinks that we should maybe look toward the NFL ranks for the new DC and special teams coach. What do you think? Should we go pros or do we look at the college guys? I don't think it necessarily matters, but I do think you need to bring someone in who understands the situation and the type of caliber players that he's bringing in and ultimately what these kids want to accomplish. These kids want to get a great degree and go on to the NFL. It's not going to happen for everyone, but that was the mindset that we had. And when I was there, we had pro coaches. We had Ken Norton. We had Todd McNair. We can go on down the list. Pat Rule coaching the NFL. Jeff Rowe, Franklin, Coach Carroll. I mean, it was a long list of coaches that as players we respected because of their, not their resume, but where they've been and the information that they knew and how it helped us and gave us a clear message on what we needed to do to accomplish the goals we wanted to. Myself, for example, was a guy who dealt with a lot of injuries. So I really took a liking to Coach Todd McNair. He was a all-pro special team guy. He always talked about how he made his career busting dudes' heads on kickoff and kickoff return. And I think he played nine or 10 years in the league. And at that time, I'm just like, you know what? I don't know if I'll have an opportunity to break the lineup. I don't know if I'll be able to play for the Trojan, but I do know I can get on these special teams and make some noise. And you saw that throughout my career. Even as a senior, I was still on kickoff and punt. I enjoyed it. 
and it was my backup plan. So I think you just got to get the right guys in there that know how to motivate, know how to relate, and really bring the best out of some of these players. Because I think we've brought in a lot of talent the last couple of years, but we just really haven't developed them in the way that I not the way I think we can develop them, but just how most universities build their programs. We're bringing in these talents, but they're just not showing up on Saturdays. So whoever we bring in, I just hope that they can just bring everything out of these players because we have a great, great young core. And I just, I look forward to this upcoming season. And now a word from my bookie. It's 2020, a brand new year. And for the first time in a long time, the Patriots aren't making the Super Bowl. So who's your next pick? Head over to mybookie.ag to make your predictions a reality. MyBookie is one of the most trusted in the industry. Football not your thing? No worries, MyBookie's got it all, from the NBA to the Premier League. They've even got odds on the UFC, and with everybody's favorite Irish nuisance fighting on the 18th, things are bound to get exciting. MyBookie has the fastest payouts, best promotions, and a very helpful 24-7 customer service team. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you'll get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. All you have to do is use our promo code BLV to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code BLV to get your extra cash from MyBookie. Bet. Win. Get paid. If you enjoy listening to our show, please subscribe and rate us and find the podcast on all of your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Our website is Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. On social media, at Believe Podcasts. On Twitter, you can find and follow me at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Terrell, let them know where they can find you on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Terrell Thomas 24. And if you're on Instagram, that's T2-W-H-O. All right, so let's touch on some recruiting news now that happened last week at the All-American Bowl in San Antonio, the high school all-star game. Four-star wide receiver Gary Bryant Jr. from Corona Centennial High School announced that he had signed with USC. He becomes the highest rated player in the Trojan recruiting class because he's a top 10 nationally ranked wide receiver and a top 10 player in the state of California. He becomes the second four-star in the class, joining offensive lineman Jonah Monheim from Moore Park High School, and his signing bumped up the team's class ranking to number 57 by 24-7 Sports and number 65 by Rivals. Although those overall numbers are still not great for 24-7 Sports, it's ranked 10th in the Pac-12. For Rivals, it's still last in the conference. But when you do a little bit of a deeper dive into the average player ranks, because it is such a small class, only 12 players, it's actually the 28th overall and 5th in the Pac-12 by 24-7, and it's 30th overall and 6th in the Pac-12 by rivals. So when you look at it on an average player rank, it helps make it seem a little bit better, although either way, it's still a lower class than obviously most people associated with USC are expected to seeing. What are your thoughts on the recruiting class as a whole? 
My thoughts on the recruiting class is aligned with everyone else's. We're all disappointed. We're USC. We don't never rank in the bottom half of the Pac-12. We're not even that strong of a conference right now. So the fact that we're in the bottom half and schools like Oregon State are ranked above us is crazy. Now we want to throw in the metrics of we didn't have that many scholarships. You know, we were filling needs and whatnot. I definitely understand that. I overlook the star rating. I was a three-star. Keaton Flotus is a three-star. And he's playing lights out right now. So it's about the talent and development aspect of it. But given the way the season ended, losing the Holiday Bowl, and then getting hit with the news of the recruiting class, I think it leaves a lot of fans uneasy. But I hope that in the long run, it'll all pay out. Obviously, getting a great product from the IE and Gary Bryant Jr. will be in great hands with Kerry Colbert in the air raid offense. And more importantly, if you look at all our linemen, the ones that we bring in, the O-linemen, D-linemen, man, they're all six five, long body, big body football players. So I do love the aspect of us beefing up on the interior and maybe imposing a new brand of Trojan football and being a lot more physical. Yeah, I think it's great to see them addressing a need, bringing in six offensive linemen, three defensive linemen, the other players, there's a kicker and two wide receivers in the class. And those two wide receivers, Gary Bryant Jr. and Josh Jackson, know each other. They're going to room together. They both enrolled early at SC, and they will help take the place of one person who is transferring out, wide receiver Valus Jones Jr., has decided to take advantage of the grad transfer and go to Tennessee. So we wish him well. Obviously, I think he expected to get more playing time than he ended up getting this past season. He was the main kickoff returner all season. But he has decided to transfer to Tennessee and good luck to him. But obviously, with all the receivers that SE has, we are going to lose Jones, we're going to lose Michael Pittman Jr. And Tyler Vaughns has a decision to make if he wants to return for his fifth year. But we still have Amon Ross St. Brown. We still have freshman sensation Drake London, who showed what he could do as a true freshman, even though a lot of people maybe thought that he was more of a novelty because he's going to play football and basketball. And we still haven't really seen what Kyle Ford can do. He played very little. And Brew McCoy obviously had that mysterious illness that really shut him down all season, but hopefully he's getting over that and will be able to participate in spring practice and contribute next year. So like you mentioned, it's an air raid offense. We're going to have a lot of wide receivers out there. I think we're still going to be set there. So it's good to see some linemen be brought in. And to your point about stars, I think stars can be overrated in many facets, but especially among linemen. I think in general, stars can be overrated. When I came in, I was a three-star recruit. Eric Wright, who ended up transferring to UNLV, was a two-star recruit. And we were part of the greatest recruiting class ever. Some coaches know how to find talent. And just because a recruiter or some guy on a website hasn't given you a rank, that's irrelevant. (laughs) I went through that whole system, man. Like, I've always been overlooked. And I've always found a way to rise to the top. So you got to look at the whole body of the player. You got to look at his background, his upbringing. And I think sometimes I give some of these coaches like, you know, this is my guy. And yeah, I don't really care for the star. I just think the timing of the news of the recruiting class and obviously being ranked dead last, it hurts as a fan. It hurts as an alum, as a true supporter of this program. It hurts. I'm not going to lie. But when you look past that, you got to give the coaches, you got to give these kids the opportunity because the star does not make you. I don't care if we brought in all one stars. In four years, let's see where they're at. 
but there's a lot on the table right now for the whole university, the whole football program. A lot of alums are done and fed up. So the news was just bad timing. But I think when it all works out, I think we got the guys that we needed. And more importantly, we still have a lot of young core on this team. So I think we'll be good going forward. And for everyone worried about the rankings of this year's class, next year's class is already being projected to be a top 10 class. So we'll see how this year's ends up. And like you said, the proof is in how these players end up playing after three or four or more years. And we'll see how that all goes along. Right. And now a word from Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. If you are going to pick any New Year's resolution this year, let it be to take care of your junk. Manscaped is making it easy with their grooming products. Guys want to keep it tight downstairs, but some are afraid of doing harm to themselves in what we all know is a sensitive area. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code B-L-E-A-V. Start the new year off the right way by using the best tools for the job. Your balls will thank you. Now, I want to talk with Terrell about his time at USC, not just necessarily on the field, but off the field as well, because I know that's something that you do now in your role mentoring young athletes. But tell me just some of your favorite moments at USC, both on and off the field. I'm going to start with the first one, man. It was the loss to Texas in uh, Rose Bowl. And I know that, like, well, what is he talking about? Well, that year... That season, going into the season, this is a chance for us to be one of the greatest college football teams ever, having a three-peat, three national championships in a row. And I was obviously excited as a young kid from Southern California to be a part of that, to be on that defense and starting. And everything was kind of coming into preparation for my career at USC. Second game in a year, I get hurt. I won't say I was fortunate enough, but another former teammate, uh, rest in peace, Kevin Ellison, tore his ACL like three weeks later against Arizona State. We both had surgeries. And the crazy part is that our birthday is just passed, January 8th. We both had the same birthday. And an unbelievable bomb formed that offseason between me and him. Capricorns are very motivated, very competitive, and we know everything. We're never wrong. So obviously, two 18-, 19-year-olds going at it about every little thing just created this bond and friendship. But more importantly, it really helped me just bring everything together. And it started this new chapter for Terrell in regards to just having a good friend in Kevin. You know, we competed at everything in rehab and in the weight room. Who could watch the most film? Who knew this and knew that? And I remember vividly, obviously, we were both disappointed that we lost to Texas. But I remember getting back to the hotel and going in a room and we just kind of looked at each other and we just started wrestling and jumping on the beds and like, <laughs> like trash in the room. We were so excited because it was our turn. Season was over and it was our turn. It was our turn to reestablish who we were and leave a legacy for ourselves. And I think we did a good job of that. And I'll never forget that moment because life is it's not about the good times, it's about the bad times and what you learn from them. And, you know, it was unfortunate not to be able to play in that game. It was a tough game to watch on the sidelines, but 
man, I, I can remember in Century City, Avenue of the Stars, arriving and just wrestling with Kevin, you know, big ass and him throwing me all over the place. And we were just so happy that it was our turn. And now all our hard work can turn into something in the spring ball. And the rest was history. We both ended up becoming, I was a two-year starter at that point, three years for him. Both played in the NFL. And given that his birthday just passed and my man is no longer with us, I just wanted to share that story. So that was probably one of the better moments. My second would be the Stanford game, 07. And I think this was the game when I finally realized I arrived. Obviously, I came in in 03 with Reggie Bush, Steve Smith, and one of the greatest recruiting classes ever. As a three-star recruit, not knowing if I was actually good enough to compete with these dudes or if I should be here, you add in all the injuries. I mean, this is my senior year, and we lost to Stanford at home the previous year. And I had a moment where something came upon me to speak to the team. And I just shared, you know, an emotional statement to the defense. I mean, just told them, man, we got to get back to Trojan ball. We got to dominate. And we went out there. We beat them like 42 to 7 or something like that. Ended up having a touchdown, interception. And it was just a game that I kind of sealed my faith and said, okay, I'm ready to go to the next level. So that game was always fun to me. And then lastly, just a grind, man. People don't understand how good we were is because we worked our tails off. I mean, we kicked each other's ass on and off the field, Monopoly, Dominoes, cards, basketball, video games, weight room, training. Everybody wanted to be the best. And there was a reason why we were so good. There was a reason why our backup quarterbacks got drafted and our backup running backs got drafted because we just competed like hell. And it just formed an unbelievable bond. And now that I'm a little bit older and I'm seeing some of those guys, it's like, we just laugh like, man, what the hell were we doing? <laughs> like, we really used to kill ourselves. I mean, you're talking about 6 a.m. workouts with 40-pound weighted vests on you for a whole hour, and you do it like it's nothing. And you can't get back that time. You can't get back the bonds that were built over that time. So I would say overall just a grind and just learning work ethic, learning how to compete, learning how to work with other people throughout that time has served me in my later life. So I'm thankful for that in my time at UFC. First of all, I want to say a great story about you and Kevin Ellison. It's sad that he is no longer with us, but the fact that you can share a memory like that and have those kind of things to remember him by, I think is awesome. And again, you brought up how you guys competed in everything. I would guess that a lot of that came from the head coach, Pete Carroll. Talk about playing for a guy like Pete. Pete Carroll was a mastermind, to say the least. You know, I mean, he's still doing it to this day. He just understood personality. He brought in the right coaches around him, and he was fun and energetic. He challenged us all the time. And I think the biggest thing, Pete held everybody accountable. Now, obviously, you know, you have your stars. But, you know, if you were late, you were late. You were rolling. I've seen guys that were national champions starting the 2004 national champion game against Oklahoma being late to the spring meeting and rolling the day of the spring game. He didn't care who you were. He treated everybody equally. And more importantly, he created a system that just cultivated competitiveness amongst each other, competition Tuesday. You didn't want to end up on that film. And you did because we had some great players one way or another. But that brought the best out of us daily. And when I'm around former teammates, we still compete. We still use some of the same terminology and the lingo. So very fortunate and blessed to be able to be coached by one of the greatest college football coaches ever. And now you ended your NFL career, right, signing with Pete Carroll's Seahawks, and he had to be the one to let you go. How did that all kind of transpire? It was tough, man. I was coming off my first season off of two ACLs back-to-back, and my knee never really caught up, and a bunch of teams wouldn't pass me physically-wise, and they wouldn't even give me a shot, and Coach Carroll gave me an opportunity. So it was a long shot. But if I had to go out, I guess it was best to go out with Coach Carroll 
I had Cosetto up there. Richard was up there, Chris Richard. So I had a bunch of Trojans that loved on me. And I appreciated that time just being up there, seeing a different side of the NFL because playing for Coach Coughlin, man, we didn't have fun. You know, it was it was all work all day. But for Coach Carroll, it was night and day. So I was thankful for that time and just blessed to say that I had the opportunity to play in the NFL. For sure. And let's go back now to when you were coming into SC, kid out of Rancho Cucamonga. The recruiting coordinator at the time was one Ed Orgeron. And I want to get your memories of Coach O. Man, Coach O, man, I'm still hurt that we did not retain him. Obviously, he doesn't fit the face of USC. I think we all understand our brand. But I just felt that, man, just hire some good OCDCs around him and just let him be a recruiter, let him be a motivator. And look what he's doing at LSU, man. He turned around that program. And that's a great program in itself, but he has everybody locked in, from the alum to the players. Three national trophies for the Heisman, Thorpe, and another trophy that somebody else won. Coach of the year, I'm just so glad for him and all success given his departure with USC but nonetheless man coach O was a great coach a great father figure he raised a lot of men during his tenure at USC and I don't think you'll meet one player that has anything ill will to say about coach O. So obviously we are recording this before the national championship game is played between LSU and Clemson although you're going to be listening to it after it's over so quickly what do you think is going to happen in the national championship game between LSU and Clemson? You know what? LSU hasn't lost a beat all year. If you watch their game, they've never had to really fight from behind. They've never gotten themselves in trouble and shot themselves in the foot. And I was curious to see how they would play against Oklahoma. I thought they would bat an eye, but they came out rolling. And they're locked in, man. So I don't think Clemson stands a chance. I think they blow them away. I think you see the same first quarter, first half, like Ohio State, but LSU won't take their foot off the pedal. That's one thing from USC and just Coach O in general. You put your foot on their neck and you don't let up until the game is over. So I think it'll be a good game, but I think LSU wins by 14-plus. Wow, a big prediction there by Terrell Thomas, LSU to win big in the national title game. I think it's going to be a closer game, but I think it's going to be really entertaining and a fun one to watch. So, obviously, that's what we're talking about. The national title game, LSU, Clemson, the other teams in the playoff, Ohio State, Oklahoma. Terrell, what's the formula to get USC back to that top of the college football world? Good question. And I can't say I have the answer, but I think at the end of the day, you can't forget who you are. I think we have to reestablish ourselves as a football program. I think we have to infuse our program with football, like-minded people. We have to infuse our program with people who actually care about the growth and long-term growth of the program. You need more alums within the building, working, assisting, mentoring, helping out our kids. There's a true disconnect with the alums. They're doing a great job at trying to fix at the moment, but nonetheless, there is an issue and that needs to be fixed because the saying goes, once you're a Trojan, you're always a Trojan. And when I was there, I benefited greatly from our Trojan alum, having them come back to watch film with, have a conversation, mentor, work out, et cetera. I don't think that's necessarily there right now. And I think it's just showing in general. I think we've been too inconsistent. I think we got lucky with the Rose Bowl year. We had a great team, a lot of talent, but just the foundation that was set in the early 2000s until now, I think USC fans have gotten a taste of winning and we don't want to look back. So to get back to the upper echelon of programs, your Ohio State, your Alabama's, your Clemson, I think we just wholeheartedly have to reassess who we are as a football department 
And I think bringing in Mike Bone, who's had a successful run at Cincinnati, I think we have to give him a fair chance to do his job, his due diligence. Uh, and over time, I hope that we can get back to the top because we have the talent, we have the support, we just got to make it happen. So you bring up a lot of good points about SC maybe needing to bring in some of these people who were a part of the program in the past to help out the program now. Do you have any specific people or any specific thoughts in mind of how to make that happen? No, I just think that when you look at other universities, and I think in this great country that we live in, you know, a lot of things are emulated. In the NFL, we call it a copycat league. One team does something, we're going to replicate it to our best ability. And I don't think we're just competing. I don't think we're competing in recruiting. I don't think we're competing with infusing our program with alums. I don't think we're competing in keeping our fan base happy. I don't think we're competing in our coach hiring process. We've had three different ADs. If the head is shaking, then it, unfortunately, it throws off the whole body. And that's what you're seeing with our football program. So I think a lot of people are unsettled. I don't think there's one solution to fix it. Just as a former Trojan and an alum and a guy who cares about his Trojan very much, I just think we just have to realign ourselves and get back to the basics, being a true football program. But more importantly, we have to compete. And it's funny you say that because I think Coach Carroll, I think we, you know, we got lucky. PC was a great coach, great motivator. He had a great run. But realistically, we've been dipping into that well too long. We haven't had a coach out of his coaching tree since he's left. We went from Kiffin to Coach O to Sark to Helton. No one that was brought in from the outside in. So I think ultimately some change is needed. I can't sit here and give you the answer. But when you look around the Pac-12 and other universities, they're doing certain things that we're not doing. And ultimately, I think if we get back to that part of winning and competing, then it'll give us a better chance. We shall see how SC progresses. And of course, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Or find us on the website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media at Believe Podcast. You can find and follow me on Twitter at Nara Wang Sports. That's N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. And Terrell, let them know where they can find you. They can find me on Twitter at Terrell Thomas 24 and on IGT2WHO. Awesome. And Terrell, glad to have you on this week filling in for our guy Frosty Rucker. Any final thoughts before we get going? I enjoyed this, my man. Thank you for this opportunity to talk some football, especially about our Trojans. Well wishes to Frosty and his boys. Send him some Earl tea and some honey. Make sure my man is doing good in Cabo. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just thankful for the opportunity, boss. Great to have you on this week. So for special guest Terrell Thomas, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode 20 of the USC Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in L.A. and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? And as always, please remember to fight on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.